You've heard the headlines. Get some perspective now with Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. Uh, yes, good morning to you. This morning, it's all about politics. Yes, politics and Larry Fitzgerald. The lead. We're going to be talking about Fitz returning next year to the Cardinals in just a few moments. But right now, some fast-moving developments in the impeachment proceedings for President Trump. New this morning, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi named a team of seven impeachment managers. Now the House is set to vote very soon on sending those impeachment articles to the Senate. And this is all happening after a document dump from the House Intelligence Committee that includes new evidence that could impact how the Senate proceeds. Yes, Pamela Hughes, as well as Barry Markson, and all week as Bruce St. James is off. A lot of developing stories this morning, Barry. Let's start with what happened moments ago with Nancy Pelosi. Uh, yeah, uh, the Speaker announced her uh, the, uh, the managers. These are the ones who are, in essence, going to prosecute the case in the Senate uh, for impeachment. Uh, and it includes Jerry Nadler and Adam Schiff, as you might expect, the chairs of the Intelligence Committee and the Judiciary Committee. Uh, and also a few other names uh, you may not know. Hakeem Jeffries, who's an African-American. American uh, representative from New York, Sylvia Garcia from Texas, Val Demings from Florida, Zoe Lofgren, who everybody loves uh, from California, and then uh, Jason Crow from uh, Colorado. Okay, so you've got these seven managers, impeachment managers. Do people actually know what they do? <laughs> what, what these folks are going to do from the House is they're going to be the ones pretty much as like the prosecutors in the Senate. They're the ones yeah. that are going to be giving the evidence. They're the ones that are going to be answering questions. They're the ones that are kind of taking what happened with the investigation in the House and then delivering and explaining it, for lack of a better term, to the Senate. Yeah, I mean, the senators are, are in essence, a jury. It's not really a jury, but they're the ones who are going to vote. And these managers are going to present that case. So the way this is going to start, because they haven't reached an agreement about witnesses, whether there will be or won't be, uh, the first part of this is really going to be opening, uh, they're going to be arguments. So they're going to present their evidence as if, uh, here's what we learned in the House, and they'll argue the case. I assume they'll split it up and they'll each do uh, different parts of it. And by the way, the president will have his attorneys there as well. They've already announced it'll be uh, White House counsel will be there and uh, uh, Jay Sekulow, who's one of the president's personal attorneys, will be there. And they're trying to figure out who else will be there on behalf of President Trump. Today is the day uh, that we name the managers, we go to the floor uh, to pass the resolution to transmit uh, the articles of impeachment to the Senate. Okay, so those managers have been named. What's next? Well, you're going to have the House then vote to send the articles to the Senate. And then tonight, uh, this afternoon, tonight, not exactly sure when, it's going to be like a made-for-TV moment when physically the articles of impeachment are walked from one chamber, the House, to the next chamber, the Senate. And it's in that moment that it's just, you know, it, it has tradition, it has like gravitas to it that, I mean, you're going to have every television network and cable network watching that moment. And then, like, you know what? It goes to the Senate where I think things may have changed a little bit, maybe just a little bit right now, Barry. Because as this is all going on in the House, there's also this document dump from the House Intelligence Committee that has had some new evidence. New evidence has surfaced today that I think may put a little bit of additional pressure 
on the senators. What's some of that new information? 59 pages of emails, text messages, and handwritten notes show the extent of Rudy Giuliani's effort to oust then-Ambassador Marie Ivanovich and to press Ukraine to investigate President Trump's rival. The material was turned over by one of Giuliani's associates, Lev Parnas, who faces criminal charges here in New York of trying to inject foreign money into the American political system. In one handwritten note, Parnas wrote, Get Zelensky to announce that Biden case will be investigated. Democrats hope it bolsters their case for more evidence and testimony. Yeah, this is a this is a big change and it's, it's a sea change. President Trump has been blocking any documents from coming over from the White House. Uh, these came from Les Parnas. He's been arrested. He's in, he's going to be in, he's indicted uh, for an actual crime. And he was working with uh, with a. Uh, Rudy Giuliani. Yeah, exactly. Because I don't know that name. I'll be honest with you. It's one of those things. There's so many names in this entire saga. Les Parnas, just to be clear for folks, um, is an associate of Rudy Giuliani. There's a connection. Yeah. And he was working with Giuliani on this Russia or on this Ukrainian thing. So his name comes up and him, Les and his partner were, have been arrested. So there, that's why this is now being produced. The court, the reason it's just happening now, one reason is the court just agreed to allow them to give this information to the house intelligence committee. The house had been asking for it, but they couldn't release it until the court gave the okay. And then as you might expect, the house intelligence committee made it public. This is bad stuff. And that's not by, that's not by coincidence, right? that it's released this morning as these articles are going to be sent to the Senate. And I believe it was released this morning, Barry, because it's going to put additional pressure on that fourth senator, so to speak, that that may depart from party lines and actually vote for witnesses right. to hear witness testimony in the Senate. There are three Repu- there are three Republican senators, Murkowski, um, Collins and Romney, that have said that they'd be open to hearing witnesses. Does what we found out this morning released from the House Intelligence Committee put on pressure for a fourth senator to, to vote to hear what witnesses have to say, because this information that is just coming out this morning isn't just about, you know, letters that Giuliani sent to the Ukrainian government. There are also some text messages involving the then uh, ambassador to Ukraine, which are just creep factor 10. Those newly released documents, another potential bombshell. Text messages suggesting that former U.S. Ambassador Marie Ivanovich may have been under physical surveillance. Robert Hyde, a Trump supporter and congressional candidate, claimed to have contact with a private security team monitoring the ambassador's moves and communications. Hyde texting Parnas, if you want her out, they need to make contact with security. And wow, can't believe Trump hasn't fired this expert. And there's also another one where Hyde later says that uh, they're willing to help if we, you, would like a price. Guess you can do anything in Ukraine with money. Yeah, th- this is uh, weird. And Hyde, by the way, is a Republican. He's running for Congress in Connecticut. He's somebody that's been down at Mar-a-Lago with the president. I mean, he's he's connected to this as well. And the problem with these documents that were just released, uh, Pamela, is it, it really undercuts several of the president's defenses that he and his allies have been trying to do uh, or show. One, that he was really fighting overall corruption and not trying to help his own election. That's completely undercut by these documents. Uh, Rudy Giuliani's not talking about corruption. He's not, not talking about anything. He's talking about helping the president personally, and that he's there uh, with the knowledge and consent of the president to get information to help the election. It's not pretty. It's not pretty. And will it put additional pressure? Don't know. Again, things are moving pretty fast, and they're moving pretty fast in this impeachment inquiry uh, this morning. And, and, And last night, though, you had 
Six Democrats take to the debate stage in the last debate before the Iowa caucus. And you know what? It it was a lot of what I would have expected in the debate, Barry. There were no new aha kind of moments for me. In fact, the the aspect about the debate I'm most interested in didn't actually happen in the debate. It happened after the debate, just right after the debate. And this is where, like, you know, think about it like a sports team, right? You're like, good game, good game, good game, good game. You got the two teams line up and, and they slap hands. The good game, hands, good yeah. game. Yeah, like that kind of thing. You also have it in politics after after a debate. You have the different, you know, candidates go and like shake hands and they may be saying different things through their teeth as they're smiling. But what transpired on the stage last night, there was, there was a back and forth between Elizabeth Warren and Barry Sanders over what Elizabeth Warren claims was, Barry said. It was and, Bernie Sanders. Bernie, what did I say? Barry Sanders, the, I'm great, looking to you. the great Detroit running back. Well, but you know what? I'm almost looking at Barry here, <laughs> right? Barry Markson in all week, as well as Bernie Sanders. All right, now, yeah. If Barry Sanders was there, that would be interesting. That would be, you know what? I'd watch that, yes. all right? I'd watch that more <laughs> than I watched last night's debate. But uh, Bernie and Elizabeth afterwards, you know, Bernie goes in for the handshake, and Elizabeth denies him. Was like, yeah, no. You could see this was one of those situations that... Pretty much, I think we all have been in yeah. at some point she in time. Thought, she thought he lied. Where somebody says something that ticks you off and you're upset or they, they've personally attacked you. And then they for the cameras, they want to make nicey-nice and you're like, uh-uh, not playing that game. Yeah. And then, you know, you have uh, Steiger who's who's standing there trying to like shake hands and like, whoa, what did I just walk into? An entirely awkward situation is what you just walked into. <laughs> yeah, it, it was uh, it was definitely interesting to see. Nothing, nothing uh, huge substantively coming out of uh, the debate. I don't think everyone's going to grade this guy did better, this woman did better, whatever it may be. But the voting starts in Iowa here in about six weeks. This is this is happening now. Six weeks. It's 19 days. Oh, 19 days. Yeah. Excuse me. You're right. That was And this was the last debate before the election. So uh, we'll see how the impeachment stuff plays on this, Pamela, because part of it is once the impeachment starts, the senators have to be there. So the senators, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, the one, uh, Amy Klobuchar, Klobuchar, the ones running uh, uh, running for president. If they're in the Senate, they're going to have to be in the Senate sitting in their chair as jurors listening to this evidence. So does it help Joe Biden? Does it it help, yeah. um, you know, uh, Buttigieg not to be in those proceedings? It, or are you going to have the senators that are going to get more airtime, free airtime, yeah. because people want to hear what they have to it, say? It's a balance. I mean, certainly in Iowa and, and in New Hampshire, they are handshake sort of campaigns. We don't get that here in Arizona where the candidates are walking, coming into our house and talking. Talking to us in little parlor meetings that happens in Iowa and in, in cute, New Hampshire, right? yeah. But so they're going to miss that opportunity. But you're right; they're going to get a lot more national exposure. They're going to be on TV. That's the quote they'll be getting at the end of each day. So it, it'll probably work in in, in both ways. Uh, but it'll be really interesting to see how this witness thing pans out. There's a lot of Republican senators now who are starting to say, "Yeah, I want to hear from uh, John Bolton. Yeah, I think we should hear witnesses." And they're starting to apply a lot of pressure. Martha McSally may start to feel this, but Cory Gardner, a Republican in Colorado, who's up for office. There are Republicans running huge ads against him in Colorado saying you need to get you need to allow witnesses in this hearing. Republican groups are running that in Colorado. Yeah, I think you're more likely to get, uh, what is it, Alexander out of Tennessee, because he's not running yep. for re-election to be that fourth senator. But a lot to watch, okay? A lot to watch as things really pick up momentum <laughs> with the impeachment inquiry into the president of the United States. But there's also some other things to watch here locally. I mean, come on, let's be honest. Throws near side to Fitz, caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown! If I'm just breaking the news to you right now, well, you're well. Welcome. Uh, we found out this morning that Larry Fitzgerald is coming back next year Yay. to the Cardinals. 
St. James and Pamela Hughes. Yeah, you know what? Sometimes you'll get those stories that transcend both news and sports. This today, most definitely one of them. Larry Fitzgerald announcing that he will be returning to the Arizona Cardinals for the next season. And when the news came out over on our sister station, Arizona Sports 98.7 FM, here's how our buddy Doug and Wolf reacted to it. I'm just excited that it's so early in the process. It's before the the Phoenix Open. It's yeah, the, absolutely. The first time in years it's before the Phoenix Open that he's that confident, I'm ready to go, I don't need any more time. This is great news for the Arizona Cardinals, of course, and for the Red Sea. Great news. There's going to be a year 17 for Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah, baby! Yeah, like you can literally <laughs> see and hear the smiles on their faces, as well as so many others listening right now. Yeah, look, we all love Larry here locally. It's such a it's such an odd thing to have a player of his ma- uh, stature with the same team this long. Uh, he's going to be 37 years old. I mean, this is, uh, I, as much as I love seeing Larry and I'm glad he's staying, I, I keep saying this, I hope he just stays healthy. He's been so fortunate throughout his career, and I, I just, you just hate to see that change, but he's breaking records. He's looking, he's a, he's a Hall of Fame player. We are watching a Hall of Flame, Fame player right in front of our eyes. I know when the, when the news came out this morning, someone who had a huge smile on their face is super producer Stevie Z. I mean, you you came to us here on the show from from Doug and Wolf, from the sports side of things. What kind of impact is this going to have on the team next year? Well, I, it's interesting because Larry Fitzgerald is still considered a very good receiver, and he can obviously teach a lot of younger receivers very good things over the next season. Maybe he stays for more than one season. Barry and I talked to Tim Ring uh, from that side, of uh, from the sports station, just last week or two ago, um, and he talked about how if Larry comes back for 2020, does that also mean he comes back for 2021? Because he's two seasons away from breaking Jerry Rice's right. catch mm-hmm. record, which is... One of those records in sports where it doesn't seem like it'll ever be caught, and he might actually be able to do it if he stays for the next two seasons. Yeah, if he stays and and plays and stays healthy, he can do it. He also has a 243-game, think about that, a 243-game reception streak. He's caught at least one pass in 243 consecutive games, and he's second to Jerry Rice in that as well. So he's he's a Hall of Fame player. He could become first in a couple places if he keeps playing. He's 37, right? 37. Okay, I'm a little older than that. he'll, he'll He'll turn 37 in August. Okay, all right. A little, little older, not much. Yeah. And the idea <laughs> of putting on the pads and just getting oh. smacked around like that for one more season, let alone potentially two more seasons, just makes me makes me a little achy it's, right now. It's it's a little much, but if you oh. watch if you watch Larry, he's he's in he's in incredibly good shape, and oh, yeah. he always and everybody loves Larry, even the defensive back. So he'll go and talk to him before the game. Hey man, if you're gonna take me down, just do it by the hips, grab me mids. He doesn't want to get hit in the legs or the knees, and he actually tells the guys that, and they try. To, I think they really do try to do that to honor him a little bit. <laughs> They're going to tackle him. Don't get me wrong, but they 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 try to do it in a way that doesn't hurt. He's a respected guy. He's he respected not just in Arizona and on this team, but around the league for so many reasons. Not only is he just a, a stellar football player, but he's a stellar and fantastic human being. And as we hear from Wolf over on uh, Arizona Sports ninety eight seven FM, like what the return of Larry Fitzgerald is going to mean to this team is a lot. His impact, of course, is very tangible when you look at his. Rec- you 
look at his yards receiving. He led the team, but I can tell you this right now, it pales in comparison to the impact he actually has on the young guys in that locker room. Yeah, he, he has set the standard in that locker room for a long time. And in fact, for a few years, the Cardinals were able to bring in talented players who had a little bit of a troubled pass in college, and Larry guided them. He was a mentor to them and really set them up uh, for a future in the NFL, and they're still playing. So he's he's an incredible presence in that locker room. Uh, he he was the best wide receiver on the team last year, Steve. I mean, the guy's still pulling 800 yards, 74 receptions. Um, you know, what you'd love to get to is where he's the second best wide receiver on the team, right? Where he's, he's a slot receiver, he's doing his thing, but we have some all-star, like an old Larry Fitzgerald on the team who's pulling in huge numbers. A lot of rumors that they could be drafting a receiver in the yeah. first round of the draft this year. They drafted a lot of receivers last year, but they need the next guy that can take his place when he does decide to retire. Pass the torch. You question know? now is, when do Steve and I get our sports show? That, that's <laughs> the question now. <laughs> we'll talk to the powers that be about that there, Barry. Uh, well, you know what? Good news. Another dumb proposed law in Arizona has been killed. Woohoo! For now. Yeah. Will it come back? What's in it? Well, we're talking about it next here on KTIR. Arizona's news station, KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Get some perspective. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. Uh, Barry Markson in for Bruce all week long. And Barry, I I, I got to admit, I just read a headline that gave me a bit of a double take. <laughs> We're not going to spend news. too much time on this, but I do think it's 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 worth at least noting. It, it causes, uh, causes to look for sure. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, the headline reads, <laughs> breaking news, the entire Russian government is resigning. <laughs> That's not but, a joke. No, this is not an onion headline. <laughs> Let that sink in a sec. The entire Russian government is resigning. Yep. Diving a little deeper into this. Okay, how very American of me to think, oh, they're resigning because they're upset with what Putin is doing, right? No, no, they're resigning because Putin is proposing some some sweeping reforms that would allow him to stay in power longer than he's supposed to. And his entire cabinet is gone. Okay, we'll step aside so you can do what you want to do. Yeah, so they're, Put- not, they're not resigning in protest. They're, right. they're, they're getting out of his way. Putin's calling for a whole constitutional overhaul that's going to allow him to stay in power after his term ends in 2024. Uh-huh. Uh, his pro- the premier, the Russian premier, resigned initially, and then the entire government followed up, and they resigned. It's crazy. Okay, so again, again, not going to beat this horse, but but the headline: the entire <laughs> Russian government is resigning. Is enough to at least create a moment of pause this morning that we wanted to at least let you know that, well, there's that half the that's listen- going on. Half the listeners are wishing we could get that headline about the U.S. government. Oh, the whole right. government yeah, resigned, right? You know, Everybody. We're going to start all over We're going to start again. from scratch. Yeah. You know what? A lot of people wish that we would also do that with um, our state legislators. No. Yeah. Bringing it back here a little locally, Barry, because um, there have been some wacky bills that have been proposed. I mean, I know the session has just started, but they've been floated out there for quite some time. I don't know if it's like a trial balloon to see what the interest of it all is. But uh, one that has been getting a ton of attention and not the kind of attention that we want here in the state of Arizona is on this sex education reform bill that was sponsored by State Senator Sylvia Allen. Yeah, and this is you've heard about this bill, but she had a bill that many people interpreted as uh, prohibiting any discussion of homosexuality in sexual in sex ed classes um, and also banning instruction until the seventh grade and some other things. 
she's pulled the bill. There was a lot of criticism about the bill. She says it was misinterpreted. Uh, she says it'll likely come back. But in the meantime, they pulled the bill, but still had a hearing on it yesterday. It wasn't scheduled, People, but people showed up and still testified uh, to the panel, even though the bill no longer exists. I don't get that. I don't get that. She pulled either. it herself yeah. and said, you know what, not right now. And, and and frankly, one of the reasons why it was pulled was because you had um, an additional Republican senator um, who was added to the committee, which a lot of people were kind of going, eh, OK, why are you adding him to the committee so that what this this easily gets passed? But the Senate president, Karen Fan, actually said that, you know, we need to have more time to hear from concerned parents about this. So it's a pin has been put in it. All right. They, they put a pin in this bill, but not before Arizona once again um, becomes like the laughing stock of different shows and different conversations. Oh. I thought we were getting away from this. I thought we were doing a better job of getting away from this, but but not with this bill. And the conversations have been a, a lot about the banning of the word homosexuality in in this conversation. And 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 I take it I don't like that. I, I don't just because you ban a word doesn't mean it it doesn't exist. And yeah. I think that the view which not a huge fan of the show The View. What? Well, I know. You you might be surprised to find that out, Barry. I know you are. I know, I know that <laughs> every like, day. you TiVo it every night and, and go back and watch it to find <laughs> out what uh, Whoopi yes. has to say. But yes. um, I thought that there, there was a, a great point that was actually brought up on it. Yeah, I know. Mark it on your calendar. Take a listen. That hurts Stupid. so many people that are figuring themselves out. <laughs> yep. It makes it that much harder for them because then they end up hating themselves, saying, That's well, they, so they're not allowed to talk about it. So there's something wrong with me. Right. I think that that's a solid argument. Yeah, look, sex ed to me has always been, and I've had, my kids are teenagers now, but we've had these discussions where you get the parental form at home, or can your kids sit in the class, and we've done all this stuff, and the fact is, they're hearing about this stuff anyway, they're learning about sex, they're learning about homosexuality. Kids these days are so open to everything, it's so much different than when I was in school, or maybe you were in school, it's it's a different world right now, and there are kids in high school who are gay, who are uh, trans, trans, who are, all these different things. Things, and the kids hang out with them. They're friends. It's it's not an issue to them. It's an they're, issue to their parents, right? But but for the kids, they're like, what's the big deal? I'm not saying it's for all parents. No, I'm saying no, that no. like this this particular bill that again the the sex education reform bill that was sponsored by State Senator Sylvia Allen and then yanked by State Senator Sylvia Allen. Uh, I think it it was more of a reflection of how uncomfortable adults are with this and less about what's necessary for kids because the other aspect about this bill was that you wouldn't be able to have these kinds of conversations at school until the seventh grade yeah and that's late i'm gonna tell you i have a 10 year old and we've had conversations about you know where do babies come from and things along those lines and proper touching and you know improper touching and those those kinds of things but it's it's age appropriate right and so i as a parent recognize that this stuff happens. These kids talk about it. Yeah. I am the firm believer in I'd rather fill in the blanks for my daughter than have somebody else do sure, it. Sure, of course. And so getting that information from me, having it supplemented by the school, I don't have a problem with. But waiting until they're, what, 13, 14? 
I'm going to tell you, they already know a lot of stuff by that point in time. And so I think you're doing the kids a great disservice yeah. no, by well, the, waiting and putting it off. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And, you know, this was, as, as much as Sylvia Allen wants to say this wasn't about homosexuality, the fact is most of her bill was written by uh, somebody from Family Watch International. They helped craft the bill, and they had given a similar presentation she did uh, at a conservative forum back in September. We talked about this on the air where she spoke and Rusty Bauer spoke and, and said that this organization has been opposing LGBTQ issues for 20 years. They don't like gay people. They don't like it. They just Maybe they don't like gay people, but they don't like any of this stuff in society right now. And that's what this is about. So for Sylvia Allen to say the media is lying or misinterpreting the bill, that's that's simply not true. That's exactly what she said to Fox 10. Senator Allen says people are misinterpreting the language of the bill and that the goal of the measure is to provide parents with transparency about the what about what the state says is being taught to their children. The senator says she will amend the bill to clear up any confusion. I mean, uh, there's it, no confusion. There's nothing well, that was here, misunderstood. This organization, this Family Watch International, which is supporting this and, and helped write this bill, they helped the Nigerian Bar Association uh, to not decriminalize same-sex. So they, it was criminal. The Nigerian it, Bar Association? Yeah, so that into the conversation? They went to Africa to make it, because right now it's criminal. It was criminal in Nigeria to be gay and have a gay relationship. And they were trying to make it not, not criminal, not against the law. And they went there and said, no, keep it against the law. It should be against the law. That's what this organization is and they wrote the bill with Sylvia Allen. So don't come in here and say we misinterpreted it. That's exactly what it says and that's exactly what they're trying to accomplish. Have you had the conversation with your kids? And at what age did you start that conversation about the birds and the bees? Give us a call on the open mic line. 602-200-2733. 602-200-2733. Open mic line brought to you by Carol Royce with Keller Williams Realty East Valley. I've got Barry Markson in with me. He is an attorney, and I want to talk to him about this because coming up, I'm going to tell you why I do not post reviews online. Yeah, maybe you don't either. That's next on KTAR. Arizona's news station, KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. I have Barry Markson in all week long as Bruce is off and Barry's day job is being an attorney. So yes. having you in here to talk about this story, I think, is going to bring tremendous value. So do you ever leave reviews on Yelp or TripAdvisor or Amazon? Uh, not very often, but yeah. I do. I, I, I have done it. I, I've you know, I do it on Yelp and I've. Um I think I've done it on TripAdvisor. It's been a really long time. If I never in my life, never in your never life, never in my life. Why is that? I've never left a comment because you know whether it's good or it's bad. I read them. I read them all the time. I consume yeah. them. I just don't create them. And a lot of it is just you know. A, You're most, a taker, Pamela. You're not I, a giver. You know what? In certain things, yes, I can admit <laughs> okay. I am. And with this, it's just like you know what? A lot of times, it's either a super great experience that you're going to leave a comment for, or a really bad one. And I throw out like you know the 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 high score and the low score, and I figure it's somewhere in the middle. So I, I don't even participate. But one of the reasons why too is if I'm going to go and like type off a missive about how bad this experience was. Being in the news business, I've read way too many stories of that coming back to bite people in the butt. And I've got a story for you that did just that. In Tennessee, there's a woman who was helping to care for her elderly dad, right? So she's going to all the doctor's appointments with dad. And she routinely 
videotapes, records the doctor's visit. Not because she thinks that there's any shenanigans going on with the doctors, but because doctors hit you with a ton of stuff and you miss probably like two thirds of what they're saying. So let's go back to the tape, review it to make sure I understand what was said. Well, one of her dad's doctors threw a temper tantrum, she says, after he realized she was recording the appointment on the cell phone, something that, again, she's done before. And at that point, she went on to Yelp and she wrote this, Barry. This doctor's behavior today was totally unprofessional and unethical, to put it mildly. I'll be reporting him to the state of Tennessee Medical Board Review and will be filing a formal complaint. How is this guy in business is beyond me? Since when did they start allowing doctors to throw a complete temper tantrum in front of patients and slam things when they get upset? How does not belonging? How does that not belong in the medical field at all? Or he does not. She was sued by the doctor. For $25,000 for defamation, liable, and false light. This is why I don't write reviews. Now, on the flip side, it got thrown out, right? Well, they voluntarily dismissed it. He, the, the, her lawyer filed a, uh, a motion to dismiss, and it would have been granted. And, and instead, the, the doctor's lawyer just dismissed the case voluntarily. Look, in the meantime, the woman had to hire a lawyer, had to, had to pay a, a lawyer yeah, to do this. Yeah, the headache, the time, the yeah. stress. No, Not I mean, worth a review. So I, I understand what you're saying, and I guess it's it's it was important to her. What she wrote there, I, I don't I don't think it's libelous. What she said, if I break this down super simply, if you say something that's true, that's okay, uh, or if you make it if it's your opinion, if you start to that's fine. If you start to state facts that are untrue, then you get in trouble. So if you say this guy's a thief, well, did he actually steal something? Is he really a thief? Okay, so these are the tips something? for folks listening yeah, right now who I'm do not, actually write comments. You, I'm only I'm not really a lawyer. I just play one on the radio. But it's a just the idea is just to be honest in what you say and don't make allegations that aren't true. That that's really the whole thing. You're, you can you're, have opinions. You're allowed to say this person is is disgusting because that's an opinion. But you can't say something specific that is factually inaccurate and if it, and and negative. That's where it comes down. So uh, the, the you know here there's several issues. You know should, did she tell a doctor she was recording? I mean I, I can understand why the doctor might become upset with that. Uh, you know doctors these days are worried about being sued all the time and I think they might see people as trying to set them up. So maybe that I don't know. Maybe that's how the doctor looked at it. Um, but the bottom line, Pamela, is you can write these reviews. Just don't say factually incorrect negative information. But I do think statement. that even she didn't say anything. She no. said negative. No, you're right. But there was a lot of opinion in there. And she was still sued, which then that's led true. to having to find an attorney, which led to money, which led to time, which led to stress. For me, it, frankly, it's not worth it. But um, it is worth going after negative reviewers. By companies, because I'm a consumer of these reviews. They know that there is value in what is said and it can hurt their business. And a lot of times, I mean, like there's a procedure, right, to get these reviews taken down. It's hard to get them taken down. Um, Most most websites like Yelp and stuff, they won't take them down. So if the business complains, because businesses are always going to complain about a negative review, they absolutely will not take them down. Google won't take them down unless you get a court order telling you to do it. So I've actually defended uh, people who were sued, like this woman was sued, uh, by a business. They, They had a bad experience with the business. They wrote a review that was very negative. The business said it's untrue and filed a lawsuit. And they did that a lot. This business had a lot of negative reviews and it was going to hurt their business. So they started suing people. And what they would do is basically overwhelm you and say, you're going to have to hire a lawyer. It's going to cost you money. If you just sign a stipulation so we can get a court order to have this removed, we'll take that order to the websites, to the internet uh, outlets and tell them, and then they'll take it down. So they kind of Push well, you but to but do what that. I'm, yeah, and so so you what I'm getting from all of this as well is, you know, 
I'm Joe Schmo. Yeah. I don't have an attorney on my payroll. I don't have like a company would going, okay, we're used to dealing with this. Just sign right. off the letter. Just pull up the template, Joe, and sign, you know, and send now, it off. One thing, I, most people don't know this, but your homeowners, are so, uh, um, your, a lot of insurance coverage you have just normally covers this sort of thing. Some of them do, some of them don't. So look at your insurance policy. If you get If you get sued for libel or slander, take a look. Your insurance company, they may hire a lawyer for you and indemnify you. Have you ever written a, a, a bad review and then got into a back and forth with the business? I'd love to hear your story. I so would love to hear your story. Give us a call on the open mic line. 602-200-2733. 602-200-2733. And are you like me and are just like, yeah, not worth it. Not posting anything like that. The open mic line brought to you by Carol Royce with Keller Williams Realty East Valley. Martha McSally getting a little worried about Mark Kelly, potentially. Yeah, we're talking about the Arizona Senate seat, which is one of the most watched races in the United States coming up here in November. We're going to tell you why she may be a little nervous next here on KTIR.